everybody. Welcome to the Mulea Podcast. This is episode number 20 featuring photographer Deborah Parkin. Uh, Deborah is a fine art photographer uh, that lives in England. She mainly works in medium and large format as well as wet plate collodion. Uh, her subject matter is children and she's fascinated by memories, whether that's memories from her own childhood or trying to capture fleeting moments of um, what's going on right in front of her. Uh, she does a lot with her experience on being a mother uh, and how her children uh, have really just changed our life. So I'm very honored to have Deborah on the podcast, and I believe that you will find her quite inspiring. So as always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Deborah, how are you? Oh, good, thanks. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. I just had to grab a cup of coffee since it's morning here. <laughs> what time is it? It's like 7.30 in the morning. Oh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, that's First thing I just really want to know, uh, and I was reading on your site, um, obviously, was just your story about what got you into photography, which I think is um, was, is kind of interesting. So if you could just kind of tell tell us the story of how, you know, you found it and what's led you, led you to where you are today. Okay. Um, I, w- I would say probably with the birth of my son, which was uh, ten year- just over 10 years ago, I did have a camera, always loved photographs, um, just, you know, as an object, loved sort of, because I'm interested in history, family history, memory. So it's always, so I think the seed has always been there, but I could never actually afford to get into photography. Um, so my background's in literature. Anyway, um, once my son was born, I would literally just snap, you know, with, with film camera, just sort of snap away and send it off to the lab. Um, and I, in between that and then my daughter was born, um, I'd moved away from London up to the north. Um, I was supposed to be going back to do a PhD um, in literature. Um, I went, my daughter was about three months old, and, I, and then I was like just knew I didn't want to be there. And I'd been on a darkroom course actually when I was pregnant. So I think, again, it was just all these little things sort of happening that sort of were sowing the seed. Um, and I got my first digital SLR, decided to give up my PhD. It was just like a little local course going on and started photography in the digital age. Once um, I got into that, it literally was just photographing family. There was no sort of concepts, there was no ideas behind it. Um, just photographing with my heart, which I've never really changed. And then um, I went to university. And this was literally just to fill in time, you know, because I love being a mum, but I also needed something else. Uh, so I went to university and I learned film photography. We did documentary, studio, large format, uh, medium format, you name it, we did it. Um, but I was only there for about 18 months because it had a really huge impact on my daughter because um, I was you know, having to travel away and things. So um, I gave that up and decided to just go on my own. And ever since then, I've just just evolved, really, I suppose. That's probably the best way to describe that. So what are the what were the years that that kind of happened, I guess? Just for... uh, yeah, I'm... Would have been my daughter Fleur was born in two thousand and five. Okay. Um, so it was. I would say that's when it really started getting serious. 
for me when I did start thinking more conceptually. Once when I went to university, um, we had to do a project and um, oh, I can't remember the way they described it, but it was like the, oh, the constructed image. And I always liked working with my children anyway. So I decided to, that I would reconstruct childhood memories. And um, we had to do this using uh, medium format or large format photography, uh, camera, sorry. Um, so I went back to my own childhood, which is um, <laughs> interesting. Um, just you know, my parents divorced when I was very young. And um, so I just wanted to show the impact that it had on me and the feelings I had. And they weren't absolutely truthful images. They were more like reflections of how I felt. An example one was a picture of my daughter sitting by a bay window. Um, obviously, in my childhood, I didn't have a bay window or anything, but it was to reflect that the waiting for my dad to come and visit, and quite often he didn't. So it was that kind of waiting and longing and sort of heartbreak I used to feel. So it was that, um, so that's where it stemmed from, actually. This is where a lot of my work, that was the first where I went into sort of more conceptual, honest kind of photography. So obviously, I mean, looking at your portfolio, um, it's all pretty much what you're talking about now. It's just, it's mostly children. A lot of it's your children. Um, and it's all, you know, really dealing with memories according to kind of your artist statements and things like that. So I would love for you to talk a little bit more about why, why children and mm -hmm. what it is about memories that fascinate you so much. Okay. I, I think, um, I think the thing with memory for me, it shaped who I am. I'm actually... I'm probably not the best person at real life. I'm quite, I'm not a loner, because that makes you sound weird, doesn't it? But, you know, like, <laughs> I, um, I like my own company. I mean, I, I like, I've got really close friends and things, but I could be on my own for days and days without worrying. You know, I'm quite self-contained. And that comes from childhood. That definitely, that comes from um, me shutting myself down, trying not to get hurt, and um, and also that powerlessness that children have, even my own children, you know, when, because obviously we are parents and adults and we try to guide them, they, we rule them, basically. And I remember sort of, you know, the things that I wanted to do as a child, I wanted my dad there, but it wasn't going to happen. I had no say in it. And even to the slightest little thing, you know, like if you, you, when you tell your children to go to bed and they're not tired, and it's that kind of um, feeling of that powerlessness that children have, even if it is for the good of them, and that frustration that they must feel, and how I used to feel, and how I didn't feel listened to. And I, I possibly was listened to, but I didn't feel that I was. And so it's like, I, sort of, I really did go in on myself and... I had moments of um, sort of deafness. There was actually nothing physically wrong with me, but I'd gone so in that I'd made the world silent. And I think that quietness is reflected in a lot of my work, I think. And um, that sort of need to protect and just just cut yourself off, really. But it doesn't mean to say that um, everything was bad. 
but these are the moments that have helped shape me into who I am. And it's only just now, really in the last few years, and with photography, that I've accepted, uh, and it's all fine. You know, I mean, I'm not depressed by it or anything. I, I was, but now it's fine. I understand, and I understand also as an adult why things, why parents do certain things, because they're human. But as a child, I didn't understand that. So it fascinates, that's probably why childhood fascinates me. We have, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we have a bit in, in common, uh, not from like photography work-wise, just because uh, what I do is different. But um, my parents were divorced also when I was young, and I'm an only child. And so I can kind of relate to a lot of things you're talking about just because, um, you know, being an only child and everything, I, I tend to definitely be kind of introverted and quiet into myself. And I can as well go like a really long time without talking to people and, be, right. and can be completely content. um so yeah i totally i understand where you're coming from on all of that um i've kind of assumed i mean do you look at a lot of like sally mann's work since she photographed her children a lot um Uh, does she have a big influence on you or no i think she must do but to be honest with you when i went to um have an interview at the university i went to in sunderland the first thing they said to me this is way back my digital work i think he said You've clearly been influenced by Sally Mann. And at the time, I'd never heard of her, but I could see why he said that. It was the sort of darkness of sort of more vignette kind of pictures and things. And then I started looking at her, and I would have to say, I mean, yes, she's definitely an influence. She made me sort of realise that you can be a bit stronger um, in your approach, a bit braver, a bit more honest. Um, but also there's this so many other influences as well. I mean, the first ever um, photographic exhibition I went to was Julia Margaret Cameron. Mm. Um, So, but even, I wasn't even doing photography when I went to see that. So I think loads of influences um, come away, but yeah, people throw that at me all the time. And, um, but I actually think, I mean, well, you know, obviously I think she's loads better, but she's also... She's braver and bolder and, and, than I am. And I think possibly hers is sort of maybe more documentary. I mean, she says it's sort of fantasy as well. And I think with large format photography, it's not spontaneous. It is posed. It is something you witness and see, and then you have to almost recreate. You don't, um, you know, it's not like you've got your 35 mil and you're just following them around snapping, is it? So there's always going to be an element of fantasy or an element of fake in a picture but the feelings are honest I think and so um so in answer to your question sorry it, no, it's good <laughs> <laughs> yes it does influence me um but I I do think she's probably but there, there are differences I think mine is probably I can't really speak for her can I but you know mine's about how I feel my memory coming in hers is I do think is braver than my work actually um, yeah, I understand that. I kind of see what you're, um, that makes sense. Uh, cause some of her photos of her children can be, um, I don't know if they're aggressive, but they're definitely a little more forward in a way. Um, yeah. just like some of the nudity and things like that of the kids and whatever. So, um, on your site, you talk about, you have an MA in Holocaust studies. I do. Um, yes. how has that influenced your work? 
Um, I think it's the idea of memory, actually. Um, when I was doing, when I did my MA, and then I went, this is what I was going to do my PhD in as well, I looked at lots of diaries and lots of um, journals and memoirs and things. And one of the things that always kept coming up was the idea of memory, how it could be trusted, um, you know, because we all have memories and you could have two people doing the same thing and coming back with two different stories almost of how they saw something happening. So um, that's why you can only sort of trust my memory to a point, although I do think I have a good memory and, and it's been unfortunate sometimes because it's too clear. And um, But I think it was that is the influence because I write a journal as well and like, like a diary um have done for years and years um so I think all of this for me is um again about memory preserving memory living memory and um sort of showing memory I, so I think I think that's the only way I can say it influences me and I suppose I have that darkness about me you know it's sort of inner darkness and maybe that's why I was drawn to reading these memoirs in the first place so yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, actually. I hadn't really thought about why it would influence me, but that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you journaled, because it seems like um, anybody that writes or journals on a consistent basis really has a... I guess it sharpens your memory in a way. I mean, it's like when I read, I try to take handwrite notes down, because I feel like it helps reinforce what I'm reading, and I remember it better. Yeah. Um, but I don't journal just like my life. So, um, so that part I don't understand, I guess, but I guess it would be similar, just kind of sharpens your memory of what happened, I assume. It does, yeah. yeah. Um, talk about, I want to go through a couple of your projects. Um, obviously, like the first one, uh, you know, the September is the cruelest month that's on your site. Yeah. Um, talk about that body of work and what that, uh, what that is about, I guess. Okay, um, it's obviously the title comes from T.S. Eliot's poem April is the Coolest Month. Uh, Eliot was like one of my favourite poems, uh, poets, sorry, um, the Wasteland in particular, and my son's middle name actually is Eliot. But um, so for me, it's about, as I was saying before, about how children have this sort of powerlessness. In the summer holidays, this is how the project started in the summer holidays. And um, we have six weeks off here in the UK. And it was a time of freedom. You know, we don't have to get up for school. There aren't any school clubs that they have to go to or after school clubs. Um, everything in a child's life, nearly everything, is just routine and um, told what to do. You know, they, I mean, they don't play out in the street like I used to as a child. They go to school, then they might go to athletics club or swimming. Doesn't mean to say they're unhappy. I'm not saying they're unhappy. But everything is supervised and controlled and within a safe environment. And for us, it was, for me, it started with just, it was just me and my children. The summer holidays, we didn't really see many people. We were at the beach, we were at the lakes. We, you know, it was just, just lovely. And most of our holidays are spent like that. And I tried to give my children as much freedom as possible, to be as free-spirited as possible. You know, I never really tell them what they have to wear. I mean, my daughter is always turning up in the most bizarre clothes and things. You know, so I love that, you know, because I, I just... 
I have enough to do with telling them what to do. Um, so when I can sort of let them be themselves, I, I, I try. So that's where it's sort of the essence of it came from, was just capturing special moments in our holidays. And that's all it is. It's just taken over school holidays, um, whether it's watching them rock pulling. But what I would do is, because it's large format, the game, was um, I would sit and observe them um, and just sort of see a moment and think, that's what I want to do. And then I would say, could you, could you stay there? And I'd have the camera all ready. Um, so they're always aware, but they actually, they're so used to me photographing them. They don't actually even know that I'm photographing them, if that makes sense. Even though it is a large format camera stand there, it's so quick. We so work as a team that they, they actually call it our work. We don't say it's not my work. It, it's our work. And, uh, you know, and the last couple of pictures that I've just done, I've been totally direct, especially my daughter. I mean, Fleur just, just, it just, she'll say no. She, you know, if she doesn't want to do it, she will say no. And same with my son. Um, and I have to accept that. So not always easy, but I, I do accept it. So that's the premise of it. It was just that sort of being together, the feelings I have for them, the love I have for them. I don't know. It, it's not, maybe it's not always about their childhood again. Maybe I see through, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's actually quite a simple idea, really. Yeah. I mean, because thinking about that as I was going through your work is, um, and I guess that a little bit, I mean, you know, uh, you know, I also think about Sally Mann's stuff, but photographing your kids, um, you know, at what point, at what point did, I guess, did you, at what age with them did you start and at what point? Uh, did they kind of hop on board and join you in this kind of collaborative effort, uh, I guess? Yeah, probably about um, four, four or five years ago when, when I started the memory, because that was even doing that, that was on a, like a medium format film camera, which, you know, you have to focus, you have to sort of keep them still and things. So um, when I was at university, um, I wasn't photographing them. I mean, I was, you know, going out for day trips and all the rest of it. But um, we had to do, you know, documentary and street photography and things. And, you know, I've done every kind of photography, but it doesn't feel, I don't feel the passion for it. So I always knew that if I had to photograph anything, it would have to be my children. And we had to make it work because the reason I did the memory project was because I knew that the hours spent would take a lot. So rather than going out and do constructed images somewhere else, we, I worked with my children and it was time together. So it was a practical thing, which sounds awful, but it was the best decision. And that's after that I left university because I realised actually all, not all I want to do. But if I'm going to photograph, I don't photograph to be famous or to be rich or anything. So I photograph because I love it and... You know, if I just want to leave a legacy for them, you know, it it's lovely being published in magazines and all the rest of it, but it comes and it goes. But hopefully, they'll have something there forever because I won't be, and they won't be. So you know, it's just something that I. So that's really important to me. So it started about that. So Fleur would have only been about three years old, mm. so she wouldn't really know any difference. So. 
probably her earliest, some of her earliest memories of you have always been photographing them. Like they've never, they haven't yeah. known not being photographed, I guess. No, they haven't. They've always, yeah, yeah always known. Um, even my son, who's, you know, he's 11 this year. I don't think he could remember me not photographing him. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I mean, we have, I have, me and my wife, we have twins. And they're five. And I photograph them. Uh, and everybody I know, all, all my friends that are photographers, they photograph their kids, obviously. But I feel like what you are doing is something that um, is a, a little above and beyond what just the normal kind of family snapshots. I guess like when you started, you were just kind of clicking away with the 35 millimeter, you know? Yeah. Uh, with your process, you know, introducing, just introducing the large format it takes it to like a bit more of a serious level. Uh, and it does force your children to kind of uh, really work with you in a slow manner. Yeah. Um, do you have like a sense, like a really sense of urgency? Because I imagine doing a project like this, and it's, I would think you'd be acutely aware that you really have a limited time for, to do this. Yes. Because uh, they are growing. Um, yeah. So talk about that sense of like, I guess, urgency and. Uh, just as like a mother, I guess, as you, as you go through this project and what that's like for you. Yeah. It's, um, it's a sort of a bit of a battle actually with myself because I, I love photographing them. I just, you know, and I have to, um, always be aware that they don't always want to be photographed and I have to accept it. And I do, I'm actually reasonably good at that, but the, the bonus about, doing the large format, the easiest part about doing the large format is you have an idea, you think, okay, I'll go and get that shot. And, you know, it's expensive uh, as well. So I'm using, like, the old Fuji instant film, you know, like the old Polaroids. But that could be, like, anything up to £4 a shot. So you have to make it work. And you have to, although it's slow, it's actually quick because I'm... And then once that I've got the picture that I want, or actually quite often don't want, you know, that it hasn't worked, and I have to sort of just go, okay, that we have to leave it there. Um, I then get on with my day. And I then, you know, I when I used to have, like, 35 mil or a digital, sometimes I'd go up with the family, and, I'd, and you see people all the time, actually, don't you, walking around with their camera, not enjoying being in the moment with their family or friends, they're just shooting and then looking at the back of the camera. I never do that. You know, I go, I have a, you know, if I think, okay, well, we're going to the Lake District today, I will take my camera because I know. Sometimes I miss opportunities because I haven't realised that, oh, this might have been a good opportunity. But on the whole, because I don't, my life is quite small now, you know, um, I sort of, we live in the north and I know the northeast coast where well, I know the Lake District and our countryside. So I have ideas of what, uh, day is going to be like and then I'll decide whether to take the camera and risk it um so in that sense I spend more time with my family but getting back sorry get back to the original thing about knowing that time's passing well I was worried about that until about a week ago because I kept thinking they're not going to want to be photographed or you know I mean pictures of Fleur you know she's sweet and you know she wears the lovely little dresses and things and I think some people think of the sort of go, 
the nostalgic issue of what she looks like and things and, and you know, sort of almost Victorian feel to some of these pictures. But I, I took some pictures over the weekend and I saw how they are growing up. I, I mean, I really saw it. It almost shocked me. But actually, I felt excited because I thought there might even be a period where they won't want to be photographed, but then they will again. And then, and that's all part of the history of our relationship and what I will be allowed to photograph and and, and how it will change and evolve. And so actually, I'm not so worried about it. Um, I'm quite excited about it, to be honest with you. I think, you know, I saw this picture of my son sitting by the cliff. His face had changed so much. It was just something really grown up. I could almost see what the man in him was going to be. And, you know, you, you get that by just looking through that camera lens and, and taking those pictures. You don't get that in everyday life, you know, because you're just whizzing around doing everything. And so, so those... So that's really special. At the moment, they seem quite keen, or they've sort of gone up a bit of the collodion because of the really long exposures. So going back to just doing the um, black and white at the moment is really good. But yeah, so I'm not, I was worried, but at the moment, actually, I'm not that worried. And life changes, isn't it? I mean, just, mm -hmm. I never plan. You know, you never know what's around the corner. Um you know, it, it might just all end. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it, the, the photography, I'm, I just might stop. You just never know, do you? I, I don't think I will, but you never know. Yeah. Um, on your blog, I went through several of your blog posts, which you're a wonderful writer, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, a lot of, you have a lot of great quotes, and then one of them, I think, uh, let's see, I think it was from a recent, one of your two recent posts, um, but you had a quote saying like moments that don't necessarily record the act, but will trigger the memory and the emotion I felt, or maybe that's from your website. Um, uh, possibly. Yeah. Maybe it's from your website. Um, I really like the idea of that. Um, where you're not trying to record the act of what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but it's more, so when you're photographing, it's more about. Are you trying to capture your feelings of the moment? Like, are the photographs mostly for you, in a sense, versus you're trying to capture something, for, trying to guess what your child's perspective is? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I hadn't thought about it. Um, yes, and it's a bit of a guilty kind of, yes, it is about how I feel, possibly. I think... Not every one of them, because um, I don't know always how they feel. I, I, I think I know how they feel. Um, you know, I mean, I think of the picture of my daughter rock pooling, and I know if you looked at the picture, you wouldn't think, oh, yeah, she's rock pooling. She's standing with a bucket looking down. And for me, it was just watching her looking down at this rock pool with the bucket, and I remember thinking... She's just so beautiful, you know, and I could just, it felt so still and, and I just love her so much and it was just that kind of thing. And or seriously, even some of the pictures of just them been laying down watching the telly and I look at them and I just have this overwhelming feeling of love for them and I really do. And um, so when I sort of capture it, I think it is about my feeling, my feeling at that moment of the time, um, but it is what they're doing. So it is sort of, um, 
an element of truth, but it is about how I'm feeling. It must be. I mean, because they're not, they might not look back. Actually, that's not, I was going to say that they might look back and go, oh, I, I don't remember that because, you know, it doesn't always necessarily reflect the act. But they do. They, if I give them any of those pictures that we've taken, because it's such a collaborative thing where they have to stand still and we're talking all the way, they actually do seem to remember. I mean, Fleur stands in there with cat bells, and Abe was actually flying a kite over the side, and he remembers that he was flying a kite. So, actually, um, it's probably an element of all of what you've said, really, but mainly probably about me, which just sounds terrible. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't... Uh, yeah, I think that's fine, really. Um... I, uh, I just think, you know, as, as an artist, it's always great to know, like, what your – and you talk about this a lot, about what your motives are and what your kind of intention is. And so kind of being able to kind of acknowledge it and name it I think is always good. But I don't think it's bad. I mean, um, you know, I think uh, I think it's hard to – I see a lot of photographers that try to say uh, – they try they, – you know, they try to capture the essence of somebody in a photograph. Um. Which I don't know if that's possible or not, but um, when you know when you're shooting, uh, when you're shooting, you're just trying to capture your interpretation of the subject that's in front of you. I think uh, there's a little bit more chance of a success that way because you know you're directly tapping into your own mind versus trying to assume things that the client or the you know not the client but the subject is dealing with. Yeah. Um. One of the things you talked about a little bit, I think this was on your blog, but you talked about uh, how life was like for you before you were a mother, and you were kind of even reluctant <laughs> to oh, become a mother. And how <laughs> how the how having children has really changed, I guess, your perspective. Um, yeah. So I guess talk a little bit about that, like the, kind of the before and then the after, and how what all that is for you right now? Yeah, I was probably the least maternal person. I had no maternal feelings. And I had niece and nephew, and, and I didn't even sort of, you know, when the baby was born, didn't want to hold them or, or you know, just not interested. Loved, lived a wonderfully selfish life, you know, travelling and being a student and um, moving around work-wise and, you know, just total freedom, really. So the idea of a child just absolutely terrified me. And um, and then sort of it cre started creeping in um, about thinking, you know, I was, I was approaching 30. And then I felt pregnant with my son. And uh, all the way through my pregnancy, I was just actually in denial. I was just... And then I thought, oh, well, I'll just have one. It was, I was as, <laughs> just as clinical as that. It was all... <laughs> Really, <laughs> and um, then and they even sort of, so sort of carried on. And um, but when he was born, wow! I mean, he blew me away. I mean, not immediately. I mean, sort of. It was that night, and um, I couldn't. He was crying, and I couldn't reach him. And a nurse gave him to me, and he stopped crying as soon as, um, like, we I touched him, and that was when that love came out and I knew he would need me and mm. I didn't matter anymore. You know, to me, I didn't matter anymore. And so um, saying that he was a hell of a baby, <laughs> 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 he, he did not stop crying. Um, right. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, so uh, that's probably why it took me four years to decide to have another one. And, um, you know, so, I just, so yeah, honestly, I, I just had no interest in children. I mean, my poor husband, he was like, went out and bought the pushchair, the cot, the lot, because I just wasn't interested. And, um, but, yeah, so I've gone from one extreme to the other, but that actually isn't that unusual for me. You know, I I do tend to work in extremes, I think. So, so yeah, I mean... Um, Two's been enough, though, I think. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we have the twins, and so we're, uh, I think we're done. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was my biggest fear. No offense, yeah. but I just, if I, when I had my scan, I was thinking, please don't let it be twins. <laughs> right. <laughs> Both times, <laughs> but I'm sure yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's funny. Kind of your, uh, going into your, uh, the wet plate process, um, what kind of got you into doing that? I mean, I see a lot more people getting into the wet plate process now. Oh, uh, yeah, loads. Yeah, so what What kind of inspired you to try that out? Um, when I'd left university and I was doing the, um, the large format, and I loved the process, I loved the work of Julia Margaret Cameron, and I loved the work of uh, Lady Hay Warden. And I'd been down to Bradford and I'd looked through the archives and, you know, you know where you put your white gloves on. And, and absolutely just fell in love with the work, just fell in love with it. And um, then, like, via Facebook, um, became friends with somebody called Carl Radford. Um, I'd seen his work and he was, lives in Scotland, which he lives in Glasgow, so it's not that far from me. And he was doing a workshop and it was coming up my 40th. And so I thought, um, yeah, go for it. And I, I knew nothing about the process at all. It was just, um, it was either going to be a spa or a wet plate collodion course. You know, these are the two options for my 40th. And I went for that and um, just fell in love with it. I mean, it's just a really, I love anything to work with your hands. I just love craftsmanship. And, yeah, I'm never after perfection. It doesn't interest me at all. I like to aim for perfection, but it's got to be human perfection, which is obviously imperfect. And that seemed to suit me, I think. Um, but it wasn't easy. It, I mean, it's not a hard process, but it's um, lots of things can go wrong. And when I first started, everything went wrong. I mean, I had to go back up, and, and Carl just has mentored me all the way. He's just always there for advice. And, um, and then last year, I really started you know, working with the other, with other children. So, and I said, oh, it's beautiful. Have you ever tried it? I have not. Yeah, oh. I have not. I mean, I've done large format, medium format in school, you know, and hand-developed yeah. stuff in the darkroom, but I've never, we never had a class on the wet plate. Um, but I think it would be amazing to take, like, a workshop or something just just for fun, basically. It would be amazing. Oh, you should. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Um. So you just started recently working with other children, like the past year? Yeah. Um, I started last spring, 2011, with, and just with wet plate. Um, I wanted to do this. I, I, I wanted to step out my comfort zone. Um, but I also wanted to, you know, I mean, you'll know this yourself, the sort of fast-paced life that we live. You know, there's never really a minute to yourself, is there? And, yeah. and it's not much the children and 
Um, so it was, I wanted to try and, I thought, because, I mean, the, the exposure time can be from anything to one, one second to, to one minute I've gone from. They're my ranges. So to get a child to sort of sit still, even for five seconds, is actually quite amazing, you know. And um, I started with my own children. Um, and then friends would say, oh, I'd like you to do my child. So I did. And do you know what? The children were so on board. They just loved it. They loved the magic of it all. And the again, collaborative. I would ask them for ideas and how they would like to be photographed and things. And it was just lovely. And, you know, it was just setting up this... Um, dark tent in somebody's garden or my garden or something and uh, we had 11 children around in one day it was just like madness but once you got them on their own they just was absorbed in what you were doing and several times I had to say to the children you know you can you can go now you can move because they were just as if they just drifted off somewhere it was just really lovely so yeah so I did that um, with children, and that's going to be ongoing again this summer. Um, I plan more children to do so. Um, I haven't quite finished with that project. Do you find that I mean, working with somebody else's children, I mean, that just inherently changes the work because you don't have that level of intimacy that you have with your own children? Like, has the work changed a little bit for you? Um, yes, I think it has. Um, I think definitely not as intimate, um, but I think it sort of goes into this idea of um, when I when I photograph children, I sort of I think I subconsciously think of my own childhood, and I think that it's always there. I just don't think I ever, um, and I and I relate to it and I, it's not because any of these children are having a hard time or anything but there is they have their own pressures you know whether it's schoolwork and exams and you know tests and all these things that are thrown at them throughout school life and you know even if they want to go and do ballet there's always a test or an exam and you know it's those kinds of pressures that children are under um and I so I always relate to them I always feel Oh, sorry, that's not quite the right term, but an understanding that we have this sort of idea that childhood is all skippy and wonderful and, you know, childhood's the best years of your life. But actually, I think it can be one of the hardest parts of your life because um, of all the things I've said before. But it doesn't mean to say I don't think it's wonderful because I do think childhood can be wonderful too. And you have lots of wonderful memories. I, I mean, I certainly do. But I, so I think... But I think that underlying thing for me never changes whoever I'm photographing. And I recently did a project with a school, with some school children, uh, a game of large format. And that was, and these were complete strangers, but it was brilliant. I just, again, stepped completely out of my comfort zone. And somebody said, it was more of a documentary kind of, although obviously staged to a point. And they said, it's, completely different to what you do but we can tell it's your work so I suppose that's what you're always going to get that really so I don't think it's changed hugely I suppose that's what I'm trying to say yeah it's kind of a bit of a random question but um I just kind of thought of it the uh and it hasn't had to do as much with photography it's just more about parenting 
Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's something I'm interested in, and but it just has to do with creativity. So, and you're touching on it a lot. We're dancing around it, so I just thought maybe we could talk about it. But um, as being a creative, uh, you know, I, we often hear things like, you know, to be a, a better artist, you need to kind of revert back to like childlike tendencies or your childlike thinking or something because uh, that's when you you know you kind of forget the rules and kind of just break through and do whatever you want you know um with with your children i mean is that something that you you know when you're talking about uh how they live their lives and the, the world that we live in is so structured right now i mean how are you are you trying to raise your children in a way that will allow them to foster their creativity as they get older and not lose it? Because we often hear like we kind of, you know, this, this system kind of beats creativity out of us in a way. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And um, the funny thing is, is my son is very much like my husband. My husband is completely opposite to me. He, I mean, he works in IT. He's very, you know, he's, he's very methodical and, um, just you know I don't know just opposite to me <laughs> and uh, my son likes sort of he's quite creative and he's re he's got my sensitive nature he's very sensitive but he likes all the he likes going to his swimming club and he likes to know what he's doing and when he's and I have to accept that you know I don't mind that at all my daughter um, is a lot stronger willed, but she um, is really quite creative. And um, like I said, with the clothes, and you know, there's times when I mean, she's just worn the most ridiculous things, and I thought, oh no. And then I've had to check myself and go, no, you said you'd always be the parent that would allow her to go out looking like that. Yeah, I mean, like you know, just wearing swimming goggles to the park, right. things that, yeah, so they're so. But I, I go with it, and you know, and I allow that. And, and it's also one of the criticisms she's had at school. It's her handwriting, and it, and it's because she's got so much to say, she can't write fast enough. And her handwriting, you know, by school standards, is pretty atrocious. But I'm not really worried about that. You know, I just I want to hear about you know the fantastic ferrets adventures and things that's walking around the lakes and, and how she mimics me as well in all her language when she writes and you know, it's hilarious that, that I, I don't want to stifle that so in that sense um I yeah I do allow them to be themselves but I'm also things like I'm quite hot and good manners and, and things so um they do have boundaries because mm -hmm. children like boundaries really um but I try you know if my son said I don't want to go swimming club anymore and he doesn't go. It's not a big deal, you know. He, he they just try something else, and um, but he won't be like that. So maybe I've not been challenged enough to sort of see how um, far I would let it go. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. It's a fine line between yeah, letting him go crazy and also kind of yeah <laughs> teaching him responsibility at the same time. So That's very fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, as we've kind of talked through Twitter and I guess email and kind of looking at your blog, it, uh, you know, you were talking about how you have uh, felt a bit of um, a bit uh, had a moment of clarity, I guess, in the past couple of weeks versus like a month ago. 
um, if that correct? Like, has something changed for you recently? Just thinking about your work and all that? Yeah. Um, yeah, cause, I mean, you always talk about the good things, don't you? That, you know, oh, I've been published here and all this. You know, I mean, I don't really, if you don't mind, I don't really want to go into what the bad things are, that might have happened. But, sure. um, you know, you the internet's open to negativity. You know that when you put yourself out there. And when I started this, I, I sort of started naively and just never sort of thought of getting any kind of recognition or doing it for any kind of recognition. I just did it. And, you know, it's been a really good year. You know, I've got public, I'm going to be published. I'm going to, um, I'm in an exhibition in San Francisco right now. I've got, you know, there's all these amazing, I mean, and they really are amazing things. And I can't quite believe they sitting here right now that it's actually happening to me. And then, um, but obviously there's a downside of that. And you also, you almost censor yourself. You, you start thinking about, oh, who's reading my blog? Should I say these things? What if it puts somebody off? And then you start thinking, oh, should I photograph this? Oh, I'd better get the next one. The next picture's really got to be the one that, you know, is the wow one. And, and you're not actually saying that to yourself. But I think that's going through your subconscious. And you stop, you start censoring yourself. And I've never done that until, you know, in the last few months. And I was just like, no, I've got to get back to basics. Photograph work, it doesn't have to be an amazing work of art. It just has to be truthful to yourself. And um, and if things don't happen, you know, I never expected things to happen. So why should I worry about whether they do? Um, um, it's lovely to get recognition but you can't do it for that reason. And, and I think that's really what I was saying, where I just realised, OK, and that's what I did over the weekend. I just took my camera out and I went back to basics and took some pictures of my children and but for, for no other reason than it was just going to go, you know, just for us. And if people like it, great. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's wonderful. But if they don't, it doesn't matter either. You know, and that, that, that's been the learning curve because... Um, I'm sort of what I, you know, I just would never be horrible to somebody, not purposely. I just wouldn't, if I didn't like something, I just would never feel the need to attack somebody. And I don't quite get when people do that. So um, I've got to toughen up, I think, a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I can see, I mean, I can definitely see... Um, you know, as you enter into, I don't know, I, I guess it's like any creative, um, or any artist that starts out doing something just out of a pure love for the craft, you know, uh, and then the work is usually amazing at that point. Cause there's such a kind of a pure, innocent kind of humanity about it. And then you know, as you're talking about, you kind of start getting uh, some recognition because people are attracted to it, you know, because it's different in a way. Um, and then when you start getting that attraction, so people people start talking about you or paying more attention to you, uh, then it's hard to it's hard to stay it's hard to stay how it was before you started having you know people recognize you. Yeah. Um, and you fight those battles. Um, 
Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I think that's just like a common thing that we're all artists that re- reach a certain amount of success or struggle and a struggle through. Um, when it's, it's in a way, it's a bit un- unfortunate, you know. Yeah. And I don't know how to solve that. <laughs> no, uh, I do. Th- I mean, I think it's all part of the the learning and part of the journey. Just when you're sort of going through not such a good time it's hard to recognise that. And, but as you sort of come through that and, and you see, and actually I've got some amazing, amazing friends and, and I get emails from people that I've never met that just say say things that you, you just couldn't put a price on. You know, they're just really nice things and um, and then you think, actually, it's all worth it. It's worth... Cause the last blog was about, you know, I, I was sort of questioning why I needed... I felt the need to post work and get people to sort of say things, and you know, and I, and I sort of disliked myself for a little bit for for doing that. Mm-hmm. But it is a need, you know. It's horrible to say that, but it, yeah, I suppose it, it, there is a need to sort of want to. Somebody described it as a, a lady from Iceland wrote to me, and she said it's like the internet is like the fridge, you know, when you your daughter comes home with a painting and puts the painting on the fridge and they want you all to see it. And you don't really grow out of that kind of thing. And the internet's like the bigger fridge. And I thought, yeah, that's quite a nice way of putting it. <laughs> I'm just sticking my pictures up on the internet fridge, you know. But it, I've been a bit naive as well um, because I stupidly think that people will treat me as I would treat them. And actually that's not always the case and you just think you live in this little bubble where you just create work and people go oh, I like that or if they don't they don't say anything but it's not quite as easy as that but it won't stop me doing it I mean that's the thing I think this is it will just make me a bit tougher I hope yeah. yeah I mean I think for everybody it's a different balance like I'm sure you'll find the level of engagement that you need to have and I think you've already, it seems like you've already done that with you on the blog you talked about one of your uh, projects that you are actually not showing anymore publicly. Yeah. Uh, for that reason, to kind of, I guess, keep it to yourself in a way. Yeah. Um, and so I think setting boundaries like that, I think you will kind of find what works for you to be able to produce the work you need to produce, uh, but still engage with people online you know, yeah. in, in a healthy way. Um, yeah. And I do enjoy it. I mean, I do, because I've met some incredible people. And I've met them in, you know, real life as well. Um, especially like the Collodian group and, and things in, in the UK. Some really nice people out there, you know. So, um, yeah, it, it, and actually the majority have been really nice. So, um, yeah, it, it's getting that balance, I think. One um, of your blog posts you wrote um, in February... Uh, it was really interesting to me because I, I tend to dabble mostly kind of in the wedding photography world here. Um, but my background is fine art photography. Like I have a degree in fine art photography. So I have kind of both, I guess. But, you know, my career-wise, at least financially, how I've made money has mostly been through wedding photography. And so that's kind of t- tend to who I talk to and things like that. And so in our industry here, we... You know, we uh, we have people that, you know, we call the kind of the rock stars or whatever. And it seems like there's a lot of people that there's not a lot, but there's some that really seek to be famous in a way just within the industry. Yeah. Um, and you wrote a blog post about a little bit about that, uh, that you're 
I guess that you see that a little bit in the fine art world as well. Like it's kind of the same thing almost. Uh, and that you had a quote from, um, I guess it's one of your one of your peers or friends or something that said that I'm I'm in competition with no one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I really loved, and so I'd love for you to talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, that was um, that was Nick Cave. Um, he had written to MTV and said he didn't want this award because he was in competition with no one. And it was just, and I loved that quote because I thought, actually, that's exactly how I feel. So there's no need to get upset with me or anything because I'm just doing my stuff just like you are. And there's room for so many of us. You know, um, you know like I just said, I don't seek fame or fortune. I just want to do my work and and hope people get something from it. And I mean, uh, and I have, people do. Um, I've had people emailing me to say how, oh God, I hate saying this because it sounds so big-headed, but, you know, that my work has inspired them and inspired them to do something. And some, somebody said it, they look at my work and, and my writing and it's made them look at their children differently, you know, mm-hmm. Try to sort of engage them more as human beings as opposed to just a child, you know. Because, well, you know. So, so for me, that's when it makes it all worthwhile. But it, I'm in competition with no one. It's like you don't need to get upset. You don't. I mean, there's brilliant artists out there, um, much better, you know. I mean, but not not necessarily better. Just could could be the same. Could be different. But other people will engage, you know, um, just because I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not articulating this very well, but it's um, it's just that I just feel there's room for everybody. If I'm in the room, I hope my work will stand alone. If I'm in a gallery with other artists, I hope my work will stand alone. But I also hope others do too. So if somebody comes in... I hope they engage with my work, but I don't mind if they engage more with somebody else's because it's personal. And I think you can't take the personal out of like the fine art photography. It's um, even if it's you know documentary, everybody has a different eye, a different feeling, different background. It might look the same on the surface, but then other people bring something to a photograph. So some people look at my work and hate it, and I don't mind that at all. And they hate it because they think it's too dark, that children aren't opening their eyes or their children that look sad or, you know, and I've had a lot of criticism and I actually don't mind that kind of criticism because I think that says something about the the viewer as much as my work because that's not always the case. And actually sometimes it is because sometimes we are sad, you know. So, um, but the, the thing I wanted to get past was all the ego, you know, just say, let's... We don't need to sort of be putting people down. We don't need to sort of be in competition with one another. We put our work out there and hope it will en- engage somebody and speak to somebody. And there's no other reason for that. But that's my na- naivety, I should imagine. I <laughs> know. <Yeah. laughs> I, I mean, I think that's great. I mean, it's um, so much of the photography world, it doesn't really matter what genre it is uh, or just society in general um everything is like a competition and we want to know who the winners and losers are uh i mean you know i mean the red carpet for the oscars is like winners and losers of who dressed well it's just like whatever <laughs> yes. you know 
<laughs> we always want to know who is like good and who's on the bottom. Um, instead of having just a celebration of art and culture, you know, we tend to want to rank people, which I think is very, uh, it's kind of an unfortunate practice that we have as humans in a way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's I crazy think. that he turned down an award. That's, um, that's pretty awesome. Most people don't do that. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, that's not be that brave. <laughs> yeah. With you, but yeah, I like the idea that I would be that brave, but I very much doubt it. But um, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, I thought that was—I just loved it. It just inspired me, you know. Yeah. Um, one last question I have, um, and it's from um, a uh, uh, a guy here in the United States. Uh, his name is Thor Rasmussen, um, and uh, he asked. Uh, how did you know uh, you were doing what you wanted to be doing with your photography? Was it kind of like a revelation in a way or a slow trickle of experiences and ideas? So I guess it's, I would assume he's kind of asking about your vision for photography. Yeah. Um, um, and how that came about. I think it evolved. Um, started with snaps, went to university. University wasn't for me, but I did documentary, I did street documentary, you know, people coming out of the pub sticking their fingers up at me and all that kind of thing. And, <laughs> you know, it, you know, um, oh, it was just lots of different things, still life. Um, and then I don't know where I heard it from. I, it, you know, it could have been Sally Mann said something like, it might not be her, but photograph what you love. And I just thought, yeah. Because at the end of the day, if I had a pile of pictures that were just of people coming out of the pub, it would mean, it'd be meaningless to me. So I had to photograph what I love and um, do it the way I love it. Because otherwise, there's no point. Because, I mean, it's not like I'm making, you know... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just... Yeah, I think actually it's as simple as that. Photograph what you love. So it, it evolved, though. I tried other things first, um, and I'm still evolving and I'm still growing. And you know, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm I'm going to do a platinum palladium course. I've no idea what I'm going to do with it, but I just <laughs> want to sort of do so. I and I do I did a book binding course, so I'm making these little books, and so I'm always trying things and um, just trying to be creative. And you know, even if it is all about children, you know, but I don't have a plan. I never really, you know, plan of my next project will be um, until it's actually happening. And then I think, oh, I'd like to work on that a bit more. Like the September series was, um, you know, I took some pictures with an inst with instant film and the object of them, you know, this lovely little Polaroid in my hand was just like, oh, yes, snapshots of my family life, of how I feel in my hand and um yeah i've got a big box of them now you know all these pictures you know i've only shared a certain amounts and so that was that and then the collodion work was all right i started with my children then i started with other children and then it evolved more into more children so um i would say evolved is probably the key thing in my work yeah great great well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I know you're busy and no, you're well. Up, but um, you know, it's very inspiring for me, and I know a lot of people that listen to this will uh, get a lot out of it. So I, I greatly appreciate it. Oh, it's really kind of you to ask.